The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing where this week is every week. We are striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need. Shouldn't have touched the microphone to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And it is suddenly, once again, the last Wednesday of the month, which makes it question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. That's the week when anybody with an interest in real estate investing can ask any question about real estate investing, and uh, we will do our best to get you an answer here, whether it's about finding deals, financing them, a strategy like wholesaling, retailing, renting, lease optioning, or even if it is about uh, some legal aspect of real estate, although, of course, we always have the disclaimer that <clears throat> I'm not an attorney and any information uh, or opinion that I give is kind of a non-legal opinion to be checked with your competent real estate attorney. The way to send in questions is to email them to askvina at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 877 877- 772-9658. I'm going to give that number again because there's a lot of sevens in it. 877-772-9658 is the number to call. And while we are waiting for questions to come in, a couple of quick announcements for folks who are within a, let's say, three-hour drive of beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is hosting its first ever Midwestern Note Summit on August the 11th and 12th. This is a two-day event for folks who are interested in buying and selling notes to get together, meet, greet, network, learn some stuff like how to uh, deal with servicing problems, um, talking about uh, defaulted notes versus performing notes, talking about land contracts versus notes, you know, some of the some of the stuff that folks just need to know if they are in the note buying business. That meeting is open to the public and it's uh, kind of unique amongst seminars of this sort because it is meant for uh, beginning and intermediate level note buyers, people who are interested in that business uh, to give you a nice base of knowledge and also importantly get you connected 
It's only $197 to attend, and you can find out more about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And uh, again, open to anybody and probably worth a drive to get here to check that out if you are interested in the note business. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing Question and Answer Week. I have a question that just came across the email from Tiffany, who says... I am a current student of the online wholesale school. The listeners will remember that you had a chance to get into that about six weeks ago. And if you missed the chance, I'm sorry, but um, getting a lot of questions from folks who are in online school. And this is a fairly common question that uh, people who travel a lot ask. She says, I struggle with completing the homework on time because I travel between my home state of Ohio and Colorado. I just have to catch up the following week. Would you recommend to just try the strategy wherever I am since I spend about 10 days a month in the Colorado area? And this is one of the things that um, lots of lots of people who travel for work or who are in the military, I get, I get this question a lot from people in the military and they're, they're deployed one place, but they know they're going to be moving. You know, what, where, how, do I, how do I deal with that fact in my wholesaling business? And the answer is... Wholesaling works the same way kind of everywhere. Now, the numbers are going to change, Tiffany. I don't know where you live in Ohio, but I'm guessing wherever you're traveling to in Colorado is a much more expensive market. I just, I literally got back from Colorado yesterday at two o'clock in the afternoon. And while I was there, even though I was there to relax, I, of course, was checking out real estate prices (laughs) because that's what we do, right? And a house that here in Cincinnati, you know, in a subdivision is like a $170,000 house in some of the mountains above Denver are $300,000 houses. Now, that doesn't mean that you couldn't still wholesale that house. So here, here's what I would recommend about your Colorado trips. First thing is you need to locate a real estate investors association. It happens that I was at the meeting of one in Denver. So if Denver is your area, uh, the group is called Colorado RIA. Uh, it met last Monday, so that must be the third Monday of the month that it meets. Um, big group of rehabbers, because, of course, you're going to need buyers if you accidentally put something under contract. The second thing I would say is you need a way to find comps. It's easy. It's really easy in Ohio. Don't really know how it works in Colorado, but you could certainly find out. So yes, you could drive for dollars there. You could send out mail there. There's definitely, definitely, definitely a market there to wholesale properties to. And absolutely nothing to stop you from just sort of switching back and forth as long as you can keep straight that the houses in Cincinnati are worth 170 and the ones in Colorado are worth $300,000. So good luck with that, Tiffany. And um, thanks for the question. We're going to take a quick break. It's Q&A day here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can call in with your questions at 877-772-9658 or you can send us an email. Just send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. Our number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. You can also send your questions to askvina at gmail.com. We're going to go to the phones and talk to Tawanda in Kansas City. Tawanda, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. How are you? I'm good. Am I pronouncing your name right? Yes. Okay. Excellent. So what's your question today, Tawanda? Okay, so wholesale question. Okay, so there's an area in Kansas City where um, 
it's saturated with rentals. All it is is rentals. But in that area, like if we have a property for rent, tenants would be like, no, I don't want it. But it's a lot of rentals in the area, so people buy in the area. Would, would you do driving for dollars in the area or would you not do it? So, um, that's area. so answer me this. You say tenants say, I don't want to live in such and such an area. And yet you also say there's tons of rentals in the area. Are the rentals mm-hmm. occupied? Um, some are and some not. Like some, There's a lot of houses that are abandoned as far as like uh, for rent or abandoned or for sale. Okay. Would you say there was a higher percentage of vacancies in that neighborhood than there, than there would be in a typical rental neighborhood? Um, probably so. Probably so. Well, I know a lot of people do do want that area. I mean, people do buy the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, um, is it a higher? Probably so. Probably so higher because some people want to stay there, some people don't want to stay there. Okay. So, so Tawanda, I'm walking you through this this way for the benefit of the other listeners, okay? Okay. <clears throat> people, people are obviously buying rentals there, right? Because mm-hmm. you said there's a ton of rentals. You sounded a little you sounded a little unsure about whether the vacancy rate is higher. It sounds like it might be a little higher, but it's not like you walk into the neighborhood and you go, "Oh my gosh, this whole neighborhood's abandoned," right? Correct. Correct. Right. So there are buyers. It might be a little bit less desirable than other areas, but clearly, if you're going to wholesale, there are people who can buy it, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it, it is. So I was just making sure it wasn't like a war zone area. Well, I mean, they won't try it, to. It sounds like it might be, it sounds like it might be, you know how we rate, we rate neighborhoods from one to five, where five is like the super gated luxury, only the quarterback for the football team lives there, Mm -hmm. and one is Mm -hmm. like scary war zone. It sounds like you Mm -hmm. might be at like a (laughs) 2.1 for this, for this neighborhood. But here's, here's the thing. What is always the determining factor on whether any given house is going to sell or not? If people are buying the area, I would assume. Well, people are buying the area. To- right, but even within, of all the for sale signs that are in that neighborhood, which one's going to sell first? Which property is going to sell first? I, would say, I think the property that will sell first is, they'll look at the price. Yes, the, price the cheapest property. The cheapest property, right? So if you're going to drive for dollars in that neighborhood, which I think is a good idea, I think you're going to find a lot of, I think you're going to get a lot of addresses. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be a lot of Mm -hmm. properties that you look at and you go, that one needs to be sold and that one needs to be sold and that one needs to be sold. The thing is, you're going to want to keep your offers down to like 65 to 70 cents on the dollar less repair costs in that area because you have to make landlords a better deal than what they can already get in what I suspect is a pretty price depressed neighborhood. So can okay. you can you sell properties there? Absolutely, people are doing it. They're, they're, all those houses would be abandoned if if people weren't you know buying houses there. But you just want to be able to stand up in front of you know. I assume you're a member of um, of Maria of Mari. Um, I'm gonna sign up. Sign up for either my next check or the checkup. So okay, I am, I am planning on signing up for it. Okay, that's a that because that's a good group to go to to try and sell, try and sell deals. You want to be able to stand up there and say, "Look, I know you can buy properties all day long in this area for thirty thousand dollars, but this one's twenty, you know, or twenty five, okay. or, or whatever." So yes, I think that would be a great neighborhood to drive for dollars in. Okay, 
Okay, thank you. And then I have one more question for you. Yes. I did um, drive for dollars, and I mailed out my postcard. Now, I did it. I mailed my, like, last Wednesday, last Thursday, and I didn't get not one call. How many? So do you think that? The, how many did you I mail? I did, like, almost, almost 75. You mailed 75. How many have you, have, how many have you gotten back from there being um, bad addresses? I, I haven't checked my PO box, but as far as I know, I'm none. Okay. I haven't said I got any back. Okay, I wouldn't panic just yet uh, because okay. the mail is really slow these days, and I often hear okay. people say I mailed it out and I didn't start getting mail. I didn't start getting calls for a week, but when you don't get when you don't get calls on a mailing, it is always one of three reasons. There, you can trace it back a hundred percent of time to one of three, one of three uh, things. Number one is it was the wrong message. Now I assume you're using just a plain handwritten postcard that says. I kind of like to buy your property. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not the message. The second, the second problem is that it could be the medium, which just means that you've made the message like unreadable somehow. Like if you, like if you did black print on a red postcard, <laughs> you know, it would make it really hard to read. Or if you did like two point type on your postcard, it would be really hard to read. The third possibility is the list. The third possibility is you send it out to a bunch of sellers who had no reason to be motivated. So to whom did you send this? Um, I sent it to, I did drum for dollars, and I sent to like a list of, some people were local, some people actually lived in the house. Some okay. people lived out of state, and then um, one person lived in like, I think Australia or something like that. So I understand the one in Australia didn't get back to me as of yet because they probably haven't gotten it. Interesting. But some, were, some were local. Okay. Okay. So I just, I wouldn't worry about it just yet. You know, let's check in again okay. in a week and see if you still have gotten no calls because for whatever reason, I'm, I'm hearing this a lot that it takes a week to, for mail to get delivered. Okay. 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 Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for doing the class, the hustling class. I, <laughs> I like it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Okay, let's, let's talk to Michelle on line two, who's also from Kansas City, interestingly enough. Michelle, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Um, I had a question for you. Um, okay, so I've been wholesaling uh, for a while, and I just started working with a hard money lender and got approved for um, a credit line to start doing uh, fix and flips. Uh-huh. And so I was trying to find out, I've, I've got a house under contract and instead of wholesaling, I decided to keep it and I'm going to actually flip the property. Um, I worked with um, a guy who does the like taxes, accounting, all that stuff for real, real estate people, investors here. And he helped me set up an LLC. Mm-hmm. And then he also um, told me that I should set up an S-Corps. And I went ahead and did it because we were right there. And he's like, you might as well get it done. It'll definitely help you. And I was just kind of wondering um, what your thoughts on the difference and, you know, flipping the property using the LLC or the S-Corp and if that was the smartest thing to, to do or does it even matter. That's and interesting. And like, just kind of how I should protect myself going into the, the, the fix and flip side. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time since I've heard – an asset protection person recommend S corporations to a real estate mm-hmm. investor. You know, back in the day, I mean, we did, we, only, we here in Ohio, we've only had LLCs since about 1994. 
So S corporations mm-hmm. were sort of the thing that everybody used because it, it allowed you to get the corporate benefits and then the corporate shield, right? What they call the corporate shield, which is, uh, you know, I, I messed up this rehab and I didn't realize it. And then later on, the uh, buyer sued me and only my stuff that was in my corporation was up for grabs because I had this corporate shield around me. But the the thing with S corporations is that they are they're kind of hard for an average human being to maintain. There are these corporate formalities that you have to go through and make sure that you've done your annual meeting and that every time you make a move on a property, you create a corporate resolution for it. And a lot of, a lot of, you know, one man operators like you and me have a hard time keeping all that stuff happening like it's supposed to happen. LLCs don't have That's all what I was thinking. Yeah, well, and LLCs don't have all of those all of those things. So there it tends to be the case that you're more likely to do what has to be done, right? And and the problem the problem mm-hmm. with not maintaining your corporate formalities is that a good attorney just punches a hole right in it when you go to court. They say she's not treating this like it. She's treating it like it's herself. You know, she didn't she didn't do her corporate exactly. meetings. She's got no minutes. She's got, you know, she used she used the checkbook to buy groceries at the grocery store. You know, they, they can they can they can pierce the corporate shield, right? So uh-huh. it's been probably ten years since I heard any kind of asset protection or tax person recommend uh, S corporations oh. to real estate investors because my understanding is that if 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 for some reason the tax Benefits are better for you in an S corp. They shouldn't be. They're probably both going to be flow through entities. But if 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 that's the case, you can elect to have your LLC taxed as an S corp. So it it, it 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 might be that you have an entity here that's a little bit um, unnecessary. <laughs> uh, and how did how did uh-huh. how did he suggest that you have the two work together? Did he say buy the properties in the LLC but manage them with the S corp? Well, that's the thing. He didn't give me a lot of advice. It was just like while we were there and he was setting it up, he was like, it won't take me much. I can just fax this paper in. That way you'll have it done. He's like, I can kind of explain it to you all later. And he is older. So now that you're saying that's what they used to do, I'm wondering if he's maybe giving me like older advice that might not... um, you know, yeah, might it's, not be relevant. It to sounds a little bit. Right now. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like he wanted you to go ahead and do this while you had your credit card out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it did. It, <laughs> and yeah, well, and he he didn't charge a whole lot, so I mean, that's something I don't think he's getting over on me. And he's, he, I mean, well known. Everybody's giving me his information. He's an older guy. I mean, he literally charged me like twenty dollars to set it up. It was it was like this small amount. It wasn't like you charged a whole lot to do it. Okay. And he was, um, and so I, I don't get the feeling that he was getting over on me, but I just think that maybe it might not have been the best thing. And I didn't know if, if they are two different entities, since I am moving forward with the rehab, um, should I just use the LLC until I figure this whole escort thing out? Or am I now bound to yeah, I would use the I would use the LLC because both, both the businesses you, that you're in are dealer businesses, so from a tax perspective, they're going to be treated the same way. Wholesaling and retailing are treated the same way from a tax perspective. So mm-hmm. it, it's not going to hurt anything to do the all the deals in the same LLC. That's what I do. Okay. I just wouldn't put any rental properties in that LLC. If you get a, if you get a rental gotcha. later on, you're going to want a separate LLC for that. 
And okay. I would, and I would be, I would, uh, I would check with another attorney in, I don't know which side of the Kansas border you're on, but in Missouri or Kansas City, and see what they say about it. Somebody who's maybe a little more up on what's happening, maybe go to, trend, go yeah. to yeah, go to Mid America Ria and <laughs> see if they, see if, see who see who other people are using, and just get a second. Yeah, see, that's who Kim Kim actually referred me to him. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, um, I was, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll kind of look further into it, but I'm going to, I guess, move forward. I was just concerned with moving forward. I know I didn't know if I would mess anything up by moving forward using the LLC when I should be using Escort or whatever, but no, i the LLC. Uh, again, it's been years since I heard anybody say, oh, yeah, flip properties in an S-Corp. Okay. Okay. And uh, are there any tax... Um, tax advice that you could get. I know that you're not a tax advisor <laughs> and all that kind of anything. Uh, any kind of advice to give me as far as, because this will be the biggest amount of money that I potentially, potentially will be making and like just kind of how to protect myself. Once, yeah, um, that's a that's a that's a complex question. I'm going to I'm going to send you to real life real where all of our uh, archive shows are and search for H Y R E higher. H-Y-R-E. Yeah, several, several, for several different shows. We've had a guy now on named John Heyer who is a tax attorney. And the most recent one was early in the year about the tax changes. Uh-huh. And he had some advice for folks who were doing, who were doing property flipping about how to minimize taxes under the new tax law. But I'm going to let him handle okay. that for you, Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Thank- All right. Thanks so much, Vina. Thank you for your call. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk to Gerandi in Dayton, Edward in Detroit, Elmo in Detroit, Jay in Rhode Island, and Nancy in Orlando. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're here every single solitary week from 5 to 6 p.m., interviewing guests, finding out how successful real estate investors are doing things, and on the last Wednesday of the month, answering questions. And we have a full lineup here on the phones right now, so I'm not going to give the phone number out again, but uh, let's go to Gerandi on line three in Dayton. Gerandi, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. How are you? I'm good. Am I pronouncing your name right? Yes, Gerandi. Gerandi. All right. What can I do for you? I'm good. Sorry, I'm in the moment of picking up my son, too, so um, just bear with me. Uh, my question, though, is, like, looking through Zillow and FSBO and things like that, uh-huh. what is what is your suggestion or strategy to go about? Because I'm having a hard time really, like, I guess, grasping the concept of looking at and evaluating properties. Okay, so you're, you're talking about which, you're talking about running running comparables on a public on a free public site, and there's there's dozens of them. You know, Zillow is probably the best known one. But you're asking about strategies for kind of finding out what a property is worth by using one of these sites. No, no, no. Or, or basically selecting one that you think might be. An opportunity a possible to... deal. Okay, yeah. So that's that's a great question. Now you're in Dayton. So yes. you're going to you're going to find a lot of properties up on Zillow Craigslist things like that that are mm-hmm. 
that are for sale by owner landlord type properties that are somewhat distressed. We find in, in Cincinnati, in Columbus, in a lot of the bigger cities uh, throughout the region and the country, many of the properties that you see that say things like distressed, uh, need work, home, or, uh, handyman special, stuff like that, turn out to be uh, properties that are already under contract with a wholesaler, and that is not what you're looking for, obviously. But, yeah, I was finding that on Craigslist. Yeah, but you're not going to have that as much in Dayton as we have in other parts of the country because there aren't as many wholesalers in Dayton as there are in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, places like that. So basically, you're just you're looking for any sign that the uh, owner is recognizes that he has a house that needs a lot of work. So terms like uh, negotiable. Right. When somebody says, I want this, but it's negotiable or they say OBO or best offer or they say um, uh, potential has lots of potential. (laughs) So these are the kinds of words that you're looking for when you're looking on these sites and just call them up. And and the first question I ask, if I'm not sure if I'm talking to a wholesaler or not, is I just say, so you're the owner of the property. And when they go, oh, well, I mean, or, uh, me, uh, you know, my partner, we, we, um, I'm like, okay, look, if you're a wholesaler, that's fine. I just want to know. Because honestly, I don't want to okay. negotiate with a wholesaler. I want to talk to an owner. You know what I'm saying? So um, just look for, you, you can go through them pretty fast once you sort of start, you know, you, you know which keywords to look for. You know, no FHA, uh, cash only. Um, uh, needs work, uh, uh, investor special, handyman special, things like that. And yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, and it may it may be that you only find a couple or three a day that are really worth picking up the phone and calling. That's not unusual. That's what that's why we don't depend on that as our deal as our only deal source. But you should be able to find a few of them each day that are at least you know you at least are worth picking up the phone and calling or sending an email. Okay. But like on Zillow, so if I identify some that obviously look distressed, but they're only like fifteen thousand or twelve thousand, but then they're probably ARV value is maybe thirty five. How do you really go about to make make a profit off of those? If somebody's asking fifteen thousand, does that mean that that's what they're going to end up taking? No. <laughs> Yeah, if they're if they're Got showing it. if they're showing signs, uh, so if if you know that the ARV is thirty five, and by the way, that would be like on the west side of Dayton. Like, there's very few places that the ARV is really thirty five thousand. It's that's 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 okay. a really cheap after repaired value. But if you yeah, see somebody, if you see somebody who's got a house with an ARV of thirty five, and they're only asking fifteen, they're showing signs of motivation, aren't they? Yes, but I was just thinking about after you add in the repair costs. I'm, I mean, because it looks pretty bad. I, I understand. Be in. If they're willing to take fifteen, might they take five? Okay. I mean, the answer is yes, okay. right? Yes. Okay, and how will how will you find out if they're willing to take five? Got to call them. You will ask them. See, right. see, remember remember a few weeks ago we talked about how deals aren't really found, they're really made. 
they're made. Yep. Yep. So you're, you're gonna you're gonna find one that looks like we got a guy here who at least understands that his house isn't gonna sell for a lot of money, and then we're gonna make the deal. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you for your call, Drandy. Oh, that, that makes better sense. I appreciate it. Okay. No problem. Let's Thank go you. to line four and talk to Edward in Detroit. Edward, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, how you doing, Vina? Good, Edward. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I had a couple questions for you. Okay. Um, I've been uh, hitting the streets pretty hard with the bandit signs and everything, and I've gotten de- decent success. You know, but everybody wants basically what their house is valued for, so I haven't really gotten too far there. So um, what I've been doing is uh, struggling to find people. I have uh, done a lot of driving for dollars. Um, I went to the tax um, um, treasury, and I got the, the owners and the parcel numbers. So I have about 80 properties and 80 owners of properties. But I'm having a hard time finding those owners' addresses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I, yeah. Edward, part of, part of my job is to tell you what question you should be asking. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what question you should be asking. Okay. How many calls have you gotten from your bandit signs? Um, I've probably gotten maybe But this is over some time though. Okay. And I've been able to get uh 3 under contract and I closed on one and then uh the other two they just they weren't they weren't in good areas. So no no one really wanted them. So we just kind of um split our ways. Edward, was the problem that the house wasn't in a good area or was the problem that you had it under contract for too much money? Um, the area. So if you'd had it under contract for $1, you couldn't have sold it? Um, one in Brightmore, yeah. It ended up being on the news. Um, so that one was a no-go. And then <laughs> it's never <the>, good. <laughs> it's never good when it's on the news. The, yeah, it was on the news. And then the other one, I've shown it about four times. The house is okay. You know, it needs some work and everything. Um, but the problem is you can only access it one way. And that's through the worst area. And if you go through another way, it's not that bad. But you have to go through the war zone to get to this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So no one wants to deal with it. But the block's okay. It's just getting to that area. So, so every you... time a person sees the house, the videos, the pictures, they're like, yeah, good to go. They go to visit it. They're like, no, thank you. So if you had it under contract for a dollar, would you have sold it? Um, I, I, I'm pretty much almost there, um, because it's the taxes involved. Mm-hmm. So the guy's only trying to walk away with a thousand dollars. Okay. So, so you're, you're at, with the taxes, you're at as low as you can yeah. go is what you're saying. Okay. But the, yeah. the, the point is the point is almost anything will sell at the right price. Probably not the one that was on the news. That's never, yeah. that's never a positive, but so you've actually, you've actually gotten three deals under contract off of your bandit signs. My mm-hmm. question, though, was how many calls have you gotten? You said you because you. Oh, like I said, about thirty-five to forty calls. Oh well, see, you're doing great. No, no, I got in trouble by two separate areas to take down my signs, <laughs> so I have to move to some new areas. So since I've since I've gone to my new areas, I've only gotten two calls. Okay, so, so you're you're in areas that are too right. nice. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't even say that. I, the one area that was on the news. Mm-hmm. That neighborhood guy was hounding me and threatening to call the police, and I couldn't believe it. Um, so 
I don't know. That that was in the bad area. He tried to get in trouble. Then the other one wasn't too nice of an area. Okay. And then the but you're but I smoothed it over with the the housing president. So the area, whatever the zoning person is, whatever your call to called. your call to deal ratio over uh, over those is fine because you opened this call by saying. I'm getting a bunch of calls, but people all want full price for their house. And we expect, we expect 19 out of 20 people to not, to want that, to not, to not be the right deal. I mean, some way or another, either they want too much or they got the wrong house or something, right? So you're actually doing well on that. So your question was, that's what I'm trying to get to people that, that, um, that, that have more of a a problem, Mm -hmm. you know, more motivated people. So before I try to, gather another list i've been struggling to get my vacant list going because i can't find those people's addresses okay so um the the down and dirty way to get addresses i assume you've already tried the wayne county uh court site and they've got the wrong address for the people and all that kind of stuff have you tried the court site as opposed to the property site in other words if uh if you got a ticket there's a particular court that you would go to, and I would be able to go there and find your name and find out you got a ticket. Have you tried that? Yeah, that's the part that I tried, and I couldn't find it. And then I tried some of the other areas, but all the areas have their own distinctive district. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, it, like, no – like, Wayne County is one big one, but then when you go to Oakland and, like, some of the suburbs, every little section has their own different everything. So it just – end up being hours and hours that led to a dead end for me. Okay. So that's the free way. There's a second way, which is the paid way. Yeah. And you're going to, and it's, it's, I will tell you, it's almost 100% effective when you do it the paid way because the data is coming from uh, sources that are beyond even public record. It's coming from credit sources, things like that. And there are a number of different systems that I know that people are using to track these folks down. And they have different, these systems, I will tell you right now, they have different requirements. Some of them require you to have a home office with a locked door and a paper shredder. And so I'm just going to give you a couple of names to look into. And you can can sort of see which one is going to work best for you. Uh, One is called Been Verified. One is one is called uh, TLO XP, and those are the two that I most often hear people say they are using to quote skip trace sellers. Now, what you find out a lot of times, especially with the delinquent taxes, is that the reason the seller's not paying is that he's deceased, Mm. and these two these two uh, companies will tell you that it'll say this person has been reported as being dead. So then you can go track down the heirs and whatnot. Okay. Okay? Yep. All right. Edward, thank you for your call. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to line uh, five, Elmo, who's all... Nope, Elmo's gone. Let's go to line six, Jay in Rhode Island. Jay, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Jay, are you there? Okay, let's go to line two, Nancy in Orlando. Nancy... Nope. So is that Nancy that's gone or is that... Okay, let's try uh, line one, Dwayne in Raleigh. Dwayne, are you there? Hi, Vina. How are you doing, dear? I'm good. How are you? Phenomenal. Thank you for asking. Quick, simple question. I think I asked this before, but I didn't ask the question the right way. If me being a newbie, if I can do radio, like a segment of radio for free, is that worth my time to do as far as getting new business? 
wow, that's a that's an interesting question. So, are you talking about a full on like radio show? Yeah, some friends of mine have a radio show here in Raleigh. Uh-huh. They'll let me come on and do a segment for you know fifteen minutes, half hour, whatever. Uh huh. How long have they been doing that program? Well, that show's been on for a few years now, about five. They're eight years into it. Okay, so do they show. do they have a pretty decent following? That's a good question. I'm not sure how deep their following is because, you know, it's radio, so mm-hmm. I don't know what the ratings are like. But, again, they've been around for eight years. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about the, um, the realities and challenges of being on the radio. Since you're on the radio right now. You know that, right? <laughs> right. Um, it takes a while to build an audience for a show that is not uh, already headed by a celebrity or uh, isn't something that's like of, of general interest. I can tell you, and, and, and Mike here, who's the engineer, can tell you that for the first probably four years on Real Life Real Estate, when I asked for questions, it was crickets. Like, like and, and this, was, this, was a, this was a very large, high-powered radio station. It just the the show didn't have a following, and it took it took a really long time to build that up. And it you know it, you've seen me in Raleigh, right? I have I tell people, hey, you need to listen to me on real life real estate investing. It's 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 been a it's been a process to build a following. Now this particular program that I'm on is on non commercial radio. It's on public radio, so I'm not using it for the same purpose that you are. I'm not looking for leads or buyers or you know whatever it is that that you're hoping to get out of this but i can tell you it preparing you're saying a 15 minute segment once a week right okay so preparing that it's gonna it's gonna surprise you how much work it is and how and how consistent the work is right because you can't show up one day and be like oh i've got nothing to say let's just sit here in silence for the next 15 minutes that doesn't that doesn't go over too well so the reason that I asked you how how good a job your friends had done building up the audience is that you could potentially go there, you know, it's going to take you an hour and a half to prepare your 15 minutes. And then you got to go to the station, you got to do your 15 minutes, and you could be talking to nobody if the audience hasn't been built. And as you said, on the radio, it's a little hard to gauge. I mean, the way the way we sort of gauge it is how many emails do we get? How many phone calls do we get? Um, WMKV has an app. So I think they can tell how many people are listening, not over the air, but over the internet. So we kind of know, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not as easy to just sort of, you know, be there and have people listen as you might think it is. So talk to your friends because the station, I'm guessing this is a commercial radio station. Right. And what is the ESPN theme? Station. What is the theme of the show? Sports talk. And and how do they think that you're going to connect with their audience? Uh, that's a good question. They just said, "Sure, you can do whatever you want to do," but we didn't go into detail as far as how we would work it, feedback, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a huge connection between sports fans and real estate people. Um. So it, it may it may be this just the wrong show, and if you're interested in doing this, you should go to the same station and say because I'm I'm guessing they bought their time, and you should go to the same station and find out what the time would cost for you to buy it, and maybe just do your own show that's about real estate if what you're looking for is real estate leads. I mean, it can be fun. I'm not sure it's something that I would like commit to for the next six months because it's going to be a lot of work, and you got to see you got to see the return. You know what I'm saying? Right. All right. But it could be fun to do it a couple of times, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> okay. All right, All Dwayne. Right. Thank you, my goddess. Thank you for your call. Bye. Let's go to line three, Tom in Columbus. Tom, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. How you doing? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you? Doing great. Um, so um, I listened to the last couple of callers, um, and I will testify to your recommendations of driving for dollars. <laughs> driving for dollars has been tremendous source of leads for me. Um, in just two hours, um, I found 55 leads. Um, now, of course, I've got to skip trace them and, and track them down. Um, but uh, another time I went out uh, for four hours, I got 76 leads. I'm sitting on 200 some leads that I need to process, and uh, and now I'm starting to call them, mm-hmm. and I'm using your bin verified recommendation as well. Um, and uh, the funny thing is, the very first person that I called on this list was uh, a boarded up duplex, um, and I called this woman, and she's in New Jersey, and this property is in Columbus, Ohio, and she didn't even know she still owned it. And so I started talking to her. She said she just wanted to be rid of it, um, and she knows that there's back taxes. And I said, honey, you're still responsible for that stuff. And she she is willing to let it go for just the back taxes. Um, so I did my research and looked up the, the court cases and everything, um, and uh, they're actually looking to um, uh, uh, take over the property um, for the taxes, Um and I was wondering, how can I save, how can I step in there and, and um, acquire the property? Tom, is this a zombie foreclosure? Did she, ha- did she have a mortgage um, on it? a zombie it? foreclosure? Did she have a mortgage on yes. it? Yes. So and that's the other problem. The, well, the mortgage, the mortgage has clearly been abandoned. Yes. Now, the question went, is, was it, was it, it released? Go so how do I find that out? Uh, you're going to go back down to the courthouse, and you're going to look for a mortgage release. Okay. There's a really good chance that this is that this is a zombie foreclosure, and the bank just has no interest in it. And if that is the case, there's about a fifty-fifty chance that they went ahead and actively actively released the mortgage, so you don't have to worry about the mortgage. But let's find that out, okay? Also, okay. go to the realliferealestate.com archives. Uh huh. And look for a show that was eh, probably six months ago by a guy named Joe Lucas about zombie foreclosures. He explains a whole lot more about what those are and what to do if the mortgage hasn't been released. There's still a way to do it if the mortgage hasn't been released. Now, when you say the the city is trying to get it, I assume you mean the land bank is trying to get it? So here's here's the other thing is that there's, there's a current pending case um, by the environmental department. Um, I, I think that they're trying to, it, it, so it had a couple of um, uh, and environmental code violations right. over the last several years. Yep. Um, it, I don't know whether it was grass or whether it was mold. I have no idea. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out what exactly that violation was because the current case, that's the last one that's, that's been pending, um, is trying to actually... Um, get the property demolished. Okay. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's just, um, that environmental violation is just what they call certain types of code violations in Columbus. So you should just be able to call down there and say, okay. I'd really like to buy this property. I'd really like to fix it up. Can I get a complete list of all of the violations so that I know what I'm getting into? 
the city is the city trying to foreclose on it for back taxes or is the land bank trying to get it for the back taxes do you know that i'm not sure okay in all in all likelihood it hasn't gone far enough that you couldn't just pay off the back taxes and buy the house okay so don't don't get too wrapped around the axle on that the the tear down that's a little bit more of a problem you want to make sure that they will back off from that if you do what they want done or if your buyer does what they want done and then the third the third objective is to find out what is going on with the bank have they released their mortgage or not if they have not again there is a process for you to acquire the property via a quit claim deed straighten out all the rest of this stuff don't pay off the taxes but straighten out straighten up the um the environmental violations problem and then uh after you filed the quiet title action and gotten titled then you pay the taxes off but listen to the joe lucas show he'll explain more about that awesome okay thanks a lot appreciate it thank yep. you and congratulations on your driving for dollars success let's talk to uh, Ga- uh gabriel on line one from columbus gabriel welcome to real life real estate hi this is gabrielle from columbus hi gabrielle how are you I'm well. I don't know if this is a duplicate question. I haven't been listening, so um, I've been in class. I wanted to ask, what's a reasonable amount of money to spend on advertising your wholesale business every month? Well, it depends on how many deals you want to do, Gabrielle. Okay. Um, um, the, <laughs> the, the rule of thumb is it's going to co- it's going to take roughly 20 to 25 phone calls incoming to get a deal, right? Okay. So if you want to get a deal every month let's say and you're going to have roughly a three percent response rate on your mailings Mm -hmm. which is i mean that's that's actually a relatively high response rate you have to work to get that you have Uh to you have to work on your text you have to work on your how your postcard looks you've got to work on getting the list dialed in that means you'd have to send out 600 postcards a month and a postcard is uh, roughly 50 cents to print and mail so Okay. In theory, three hundred dollars a month, you know, three to five hundred, let's call it a month, would get you one deal a month if everything else is lining up. If you want to deal a week, you gotta spend that much money every week. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. How do you feel about hard signs? If you can like make signs and put them up somewhere, is that better than sending out mailings? So are you talking about like bandit signs or like bus benches or something mm, that you're no, putting in the like, yard? Yeah, something that I'd be putting in front of a business. I think those are great because they last a really long time. I do have one of those on the side of my building that I own in Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's only good for a couple of calls a month because when you think about it, you're depending on somebody who's got a problem to pass your sign, which is not moving. With a letter, you're actually putting something in people's hands that says, hey, I can help you. With a sign, mm-hmm. you're waiting for somebody to drive by who needs help, right? So they're they're good. What if, okay, they're good if you can okay. if you have a place to put them. I, I would definitely do it. Okay. If I, okay, um, all right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your call, Gabrielle. And okay. My apologies to Gina, Winita, Pam, and Cornelia, who we're not going to get to today. You can send your questions to askvina at gmail.com, and I will make sure they get answered on a future show. Thanks to all the callers here on Question and Answer Week. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.